wanted to learn the rules before I could break them, which is one of my favorite sayings. There's this evolution happening in you where you're like, I want to try something new. I distracted myself with something that I absolutely loved. And it was almost like it just automatically, everything calmed down. And I could all of a sudden the next day get up and be refreshed. Welcome to today's show. Can you just feel the creative juices bubbling for the upcoming summer season ahead of you? Do you have anything exciting on the go that you're going to tackle this summer? Some projects or maybe it's just a really fun camping trip that you're going to get inspiration from. What's on the horizon for you, Sharla? Sunshine. Sunshine <laughs> with a capital S sunshine. That is like so inspiring to have like hot sun coming down, vitamin D, bringing energy and life after what I think is the longest, darkest, dreariest winter yeah. of the Okanagan. And I just cannot wait to see what summer comes. Just, I find, you know, you go, you go for us in Canada, we have long winters or we have winter, we have all the seasons, but we have winter. And when summer comes, like everyone goes outside, everyone comes to life. Every, we live in a beautiful area that lots of people want to come visit. And we've already had lots of visitors and you just like energy. There's just so much energy. And yeah. I like to soak all that in and see what happens creatively in the fall. Cause that's kind yeah. of then where all that energy comes back out, right? Us artists need to soak things in, process them, yeah. figure them out kind of somewhere deep inside our soul and then let it come out in our creative endeavors. And in the summer, I don't always have lots of time to make things because I want to be outside. I want to be swimming, camping, visiting. Um, but in the fall, that's when all that will come out. So I'm just excited to soak it in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the season of soaking and just getting that inspiration. It's so true. I know that yeah, for myself as an artist, I need to be out in the nature and just letting it ruminate and then the ideas start to bubble and mm. the new creative juices start flowing. So over the winter, we had some amazing podcasts about just everything from skill building and challenges and a little bit of news on the Bold School community, what's happening on the inside of our classes and the challenges in the community. I feel like we've just delivered so much good meaty content that someone could be listening to all of these podcasts and really growing their skill as an artist. But you and I got talking about how in order to really grow our skills, to, to get better as artists, we also need to give ourselves this space and time to just explore. And I remember that when we talked about exploring, it sprung up our hobby episode, <laughs> which was before Christmas. And it was an episode where, you know, you got challenged about the mindset of hobby being a dirty word. And it was something that you didn't want anything to do with because you're a professional artist and you felt like, the word hobby oftentimes minimizes our skill building and our abilities. And, and so we talked that through and it was really interesting because since then you have really separated a part of your life to be sacred for hobby. And it's a little bit different than your professional life. It's a space that you can just play and not feel the pressure of the performance that our other professional art, you know, often 
imposes on us. And so um, do you want to tell us all what you've been hobbying around with a little bit there, Sharla? <laughs> well, I think even more important than what I've been hobbying with is that I've actually found myself telling people, you need a hobby. <laughs> so like, you, you've done a 180 here because you, coming out. hobby was a dirty word. And now she's like, you need a hobby. Yeah. And it's almost like you need a hobby. I'm like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> but I'm like, then I, I'm like, I need to be able to explain myself after I use that word. Mm-hmm. But I see like how, how much it's like, um, I don't even know the right way to say it, but just change things for me in general just my my own personal person my yeah. own health I guess mental health if you want to say that like it's just better overall let alone how much has changed my art being free to hobby and I think it was a year ago um well it was like last it was probably more than a year ago it was last winter spring where I started to delve into the using markers and sketching. And that was when I started realizing uh, what not I used, I was using those for practice, but it started to become its own uh, medium and its own art form for me using alcohol ink markers. And I started realizing that I don't need to just paint. I can hobby and it doesn't have to be my practice and it doesn't have to be work or I don't have to make money off it or whatever. All you can listen to those episodes where we talk about all that stuff. And then it just opened up the world of maybe I can do other things I've really wanted you, to do. You started to dream again is what I yeah. noticed. And, and I had st- permission. I yeah. always I always think in my soul that Mary Janelle gave me the permission I needed to try things. And now I'm like, I, I keep asking you, like, can I try this? Can I do something else? Because now I'm afraid I'm going to stop painting and only hobby. And I'll say only <laughs> if you get on the podcast that I yeah, only if I talk about it. <laughs> so I've like, I've given myself permission to try new things. And the one, the one thing, um, I still am using my markers. I'm sketching more and, and all of those types of things. I've even started uh, sketching and drawing different subject matters, which has been really interesting and challenging. Mm-hmm. I got oil paints again after we had um, our newest artist at Bold School came and brought oil paint medium into Bold School with landscape. And I, I purposely left the paint from the the shooting sessions, the the class shooting sessions. I purposely left the paint at Charla's house yeah. so that she didn't have the excuse to say, "I don't have oil paint." I'm like, "Yes, you do have oil paint." Um, and I started yeah. playing with it, and I I love it. I used to use oil paints way back in the day, and I've forgotten how to use oil paint, so I need to learn. And I think that it'll be actually that oil paint will actually become part of my practice one day. But for me, especially as a teacher, it's been really good because I'm recognizing that I have to learn. <laughs> I have to learn the techniques again. I have to practice and it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. So for now, it's still a hobby. But I do think that one will very intentionally move into my art practice yeah. eventually. But there's one thing that I think you're trying to get at. That I've been, I, you know <laughs> it. You know it. <laughs> I got into over Christmas was the art of mi- miniature making. And a lot of people just call it dollhouses, but um, miniatures is, is kind of the word that I use. And it kind of has been something I've posted other people's miniature work on my Instagram. And like I've been wanting to buy these little tiny, like I, I remember seeing these little art palettes and um, paint palettes and stuff. And I wanted to buy them and I didn't even know where to buy them because 
now I've learned that people do make them and sell them, but they make limited amounts and they sell it really fast. So they are hard to find, but I've been posting about them for a couple of years and didn't think I would ever, ever consider making them. And then, so every Christmas, trying to do this quickly, every Christmas we get our kids, we've got three boys. It's okay, I know everyone is fascinated right now. So, <laughs> so the just evolution. Take, tell us the story. How did this evolve? Because, you yeah. know, you are a master at bold color portraits, and then you've had this whole transformation of understanding you needed some sacred hobby just to refresh your creative soul. And then over here, there's this evolution happening in you where you're like, I want to try something new. And so that's what started happening. This, I want to do something new. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I didn't know how, and I wasn't miniatures wasn't in my conscious thought, but I was, um, I guess right before Christmas, people ramp up their social media advertising and these little miniature kits were being advertised and they probably, my phone probably heard me talking about it at some point or knew that I posted <laughs> stuff on Instagram. So it showed me these little kits. And then I was thinking, Christmas is coming. What am I going to do with my kids? And I'm buying them Lego sets. And we always sit around after Christmas and put together Legos, but they're all old enough now that they want to put together their own Lego sets. And I miss doing it with them. I used to do it for them, then I did it with them. And now they don't want me touching their Lego sets. So I was like, what am I going to do while they're all putting together their Lego sets? And I'm going to be all sad because I don't have a Lego set. (laughs) And then the miniature kit came up. Um, You know, the internet read my mind and showed me these miniature kits. And I was like, I wonder. I just wonder if I could buy one and put it together. Yeah. So, you know, I knew that you had a fascination with miniatures because I dollhoused when I was little and I have all of these, you know, just really precious heirlooms in my family of these dollhouse furniture pieces that I, I still have. And I've shown you pieces and you were fascinated by them. And so what's really interesting is those same, those same miniature kits had popped up on my computer And I sent it to you as a screenshot and said, look at this, Sharla. And you said, funny, I just ordered one of those for myself. (laughs) And so, you know, it was just like all somehow I knew that you needed to do miniatures. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it was our conversation and our phones listened to our conversation. And that's why it showed us those little kids. I don't know. I was (laughs) thankful. I'm thankful for the algorithm that reads what I want and shows it to me. <laughs> so I'm can you show me. can you show us all here on YouTube what you put together over Christmas? And I need you all to know that when Charla's miniaturing, she goes MIA. So I didn't hear from her for quite a long time because she was busy doing this. How about you show the screen? Yeah, so I bought this little kit and opened it up. I, like I bought it for myself. I didn't wrap it, but I bought it for myself. And I got it open on Christmas Day, and I sat down at the dining room table, and I literally only moved for Christmas dinner, and for like events we had over the break, I worked for probably two full weeks, night and day, on this thing. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she way did. More work than I thought. <laughs> but see, it's a little greenhouse, and I love plants. I've got plants in my studio. I've got plants in our living room, and I love plants. So I was like, this one would look really cool like sitting in with my plants. And that's where I put it. It's even got a little light, little light. So it's a kit. I didn't make any of this up on my own. Um, I had to put it all together though. And it's all, see the little light? <laughs> so cute. So sweet. So rotate it a little so we see in the sides of, uh, like the side of the greenhouse because 
it's just so intricate. And every yeah. little thing in there, it didn't come pre-assembled. Like, Charlotte assembled all that. Yeah. And some of it you so made fun. up yourself, you said. So, like, the plant yeah. in the corner, didn't you make that one up yourself? This one, I... Oh, yeah, this big plant in the corner, I did some work on it myself, I think, because mm. I screwed up. It's really hard to follow their directions. I screwed up a lot, actually. But this one, I pretty much just did what they said for me to do because I wanted to just see how it all worked. I wanted to learn the rules before I could break them, which is one of my favorite sayings. I learned all the rules of miniature making and learned how they use, you know, a lot of like beads. They'll collect, a lot of miniatures will collect beads and, and like, this is like a twine and they, they get all these, they collect all these things together to make these items themselves and, and make them all and design them all themselves. So I had to learn all of those things. Like inside there's little shovels and little water containers and books and there's like a water tap. There's so many tiny little details. I just yeah. absolutely love it. It's so fun. Okay, so I, I just have to interject here because I hear a whole lesson for artists going on and especially our bold school artists that are on the inside of our community learning painting and learning Charla's process of painting I hear you saying you've got to learn these rules. You've got to put the time into following maybe even someone else's process before you can break out into your own style and process. And it's really important to spend that time in training, which is what we do inside of old school. And it's what our mentors are always doing Mm -hmm. with our artists. But from that point, Sharla, that you had that little mini greenhouse, you took everything you learned And I want you to show now, show us here on YouTube, what you made from your own imagination with your own skills, something that it's just like precious is going to blow artists away. Like anybody (laughs) out there who's a painter, who's interested at all, you're just going to love this. But But there was like a middle step. I went from like, I I bought this little kit at Christmas time and I put it together exactly as they told me to do it, except for a, a, a thousand mistakes that I made. And then I decided, at first, my whole reason for buying it was just to have something to do at Christmas with my kids while they were putting together the Lego sets. They put the Lego sets together. They left. I didn't see them most of Christmas because I was putting this together by myself. But then I decided, or I thought I would just buy another one next Christmas, and that would just be my fun little thing. But when my kit was done, I was like, I need to do more of this. And I researched kind of what the tools and all all the things I would need to get so I decided to buy another kit and what I was seeing on YouTube because I was watching a lot of YouTubers was that they would buy kits and customize them. And I thought, okay, that could be a next step of learning. So instead of buying everything and doing it from scratch, I could learn to customize a kit. And that way I'll learn, like you could make your own wood floors and you could make your own tools to put inside and you could paint the furniture, add furniture, add art, whatever, those types of things. So I did that. That was my first Oh, that was my second step. Okay, and so your I've second step was customizing a, a what kit. you learned. So this so, is another kit. That <laughs> is, is so precious. Vintage trailer camper. And it's a kit. So the structure of the trailer came. The, the trailer was pink with silver, just as you see it here. But then I made the barbecue. It came with the barbecue, but I didn't like it. So I made my own barbecue. And I so I purchased, you know, the tools that I would need to make the barbecue and like the silver paper. So I would have that on here. It's probably hard to see, but there's like this little iron frying pan. 
I'm, I learned how to make that one myself. Like, so there's little things like so that. So precious. So the silver, that, the yeah. silver on your barbecue, because I remember we were at Opus picking up some art supplies for one of the Bold School classes, and you saw a silver oh, marker, paint pen yeah. marker. Did you use that or no? No, this is tape. It's like a, okay. a big roll of silver tape. So it's really easy because it just like sticks on because it's already sticky. Um, so I learned... So I bought some of those things and I started learning how to do it myself. Like I messed up. I, I kind of used my alcohol ink markers actually to draw on here and kind of make it look dirty and used. And um, what else did I do? I added a ton of stuff inside. Like I made little knives and furnitures inside. It's hard, really hard to see on here. You wouldn't be able to see. So anyways, the idea was just that I, I made the kit. It's, if you search this kit, it'll look very similar to this, slightly different. And I just decided to customize things just to see if, how far I could push it myself and get to know some of the tools I would need to use without having to do it from scratch. Because yeah. from scratch is just a million other things. Okay, so learn. step one, you followed the rules. Step yes. two, you followed the majority of the rules, stepping out, testing some things on your own. Step yeah. three... I went on Amazon and to my local craft store and bought every miniature tool known to man. She sure did. And, and Sharma has a huge yeah. dining room table and this took over the, that huge dining room table. Yeah. Like hundred yeah, percent, every square inch yeah. was covered with miniature making supplies. Just a quick note here in this podcast, ask you if you're ever frustrated mixing your paint colors. Do you feel like you just end up with mud and you need help? If that's the case, you're going to be thrilled to know that boldschool.com offers a learning path that's dedicated to color theory. It's called the color path and it will transform your eye and skills as an artist to know, understand, and mix colors. Check it out on our website. Our classes and community are here to support you and mentor you, not only in growing your skills, but in becoming a wholehearted artist. Now back to the show. Yeah. And what's funny is that the table would be a mess, but the only, you'd have to like look for the miniature thing that I was making out of all of these tools. <laughs> I've since moved it into my studio. But from there, I, I made a, a bunch of different little things and learned lots, but I'm going to show you the one that I love the most that I made, designed it from scratch and made it all on my own. And it's a little miniature easel. You can see how these things actually like lift and move. And this thing, I'll, I'll probably break it now. It's, they're very fragile, even if they do function. So this moves. It completely this, functions. I've seen it in yeah. person and every, like, I know that the screen of YouTube is not going to show you or do justice to how amazing this is. But even those, those little handles, the gold ones on the back all turn and move, yeah, this up everything down. functions. Now, if you tilt your head over to your right, <laughs> you'll see that Charlotte made it replicate her own amazing easel. Yeah, like, it's hard to see it, but it is... It's almost it is identical. Yeah. That's so, so fascinating to me. Yeah, and I, it took me a few easels to get to this easel. Uh, but it was... That's that's kind of the outcome of what I've been doing since Christmas. So it's like half a year of work. Okay, so what's <laughs> happening to your professional art while you sit and explore this hobby, which... 
Mary Janelle predicts won't be a hobby for too long. I think it'll go somewhere really interesting and creative in your professional life. But you've segregated it for now as a, as a hobby time to just let your give yourself space to breathe, relax, do something that you've wanted to try. What what is transferring from that hobby time? that relaxation mode over into your professional life? What are you seeing? Well, I think, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I've put them into words, really put them into words. I do miniature making at night, like after supper, as soon as supper is done, I go and sit at the table. Sometimes till 11 or 12 o'clock at night. One thing I've noticed is that I haven't been that excited about making something for many, many years. I think I even talked about it here in the podcast at one time, you know, how when the kids were little, a lot of my creative work as a photographer got done at night and I would be, I was a night owl and I'd be up till late. I'd be up late because that was my only time to work. And now it's changed. My work uh, habits have changed and I rather work in the mornings and the kids are older now and I, I can work during the day. What I realized was that I still have that same like creative vigor, I guess you could say, because as soon as I sit down knowing that I'm not going to be doing this during the day because I have a business to run, I would stay up so late working on these night after night, trying to get this easel done because it would probably took a week <laughs> or 10 days to get that easel done, to create that easel. And yeah. I wanted it done and I still had that same drive. So it was kind of exciting to see that drive that creative drive come alive for something that I was absolutely loving and finding that everybody loves them. Like everybody who come, it would come into the yeah. house and be like, I would tell them what I was doing. They'd want to see it and touch it. Young, old men, women, everybody loved it. And it would bring something alive in them. So, um, it I was sparks getting, joy. It's, it, it sparks, sparks joy, joy in people. Yeah. Yeah. And I could talk about miniatures too, like why I've been really intrigued by why those things spark, why miniatures spark joy in really everybody who sees them. Um, but just in general, having a, another practice, I also love embroidering at night. I embroider my, my art at night as well. And I'm sketching and all those types of things, but this kind of brought this new joy and what it did in my it actually started making, I, I haven't quite figured this out yet. Maybe somebody will enlighten us who's watching, but it started, and maybe Mary Janelle will enlighten me. <laughs> <laughs> it started igniting like um, excitement to paint again, to want my painting. Like I've, I've had, I've talked about this here up to about a year ago. I was really not painting a lot. My business had taken over and that's just the season. It's, it's normal. It was nothing bad, but my business had really taken over. I was only painting for bold school and I had decided I, that needed to change. And that's kind of where hobbies came up, came back into my life to kind of as creative outlets, but I was bringing painting back into my regular life and practicing again and doing daily painting and all those types of things. But what I found when I was working on a hobby, a creative hobby that I was absolutely loving every second that I was doing it and thinking about it every second that I wasn't, it was it reignited my love for painting again. It wasn't just that I have to get in the studio and I have to practice and I have to become a better painter because this is what I do. It was, no, I love this. I love painting and I want to get back in the studio and I want to paint. And what is the thing that I'm making as a miniaturist? I'm making art studios. Like I'm making little yeah. palettes and little tiny paint tubes. And those are the things I want to make 
right now that could evolve and change as I grow as a miniaturist. But I love the art practice mm -hmm. and it's ignited a love for all the other things that I do. Mm -hmm. It's it's like everything went stagnant at once and I, I wondered if I was not wanting to be a painter anymore. But it wasn't that. It was just that I was burning out in general. Yeah, and <laughs> so hobbies are are an amazing way to balance the burnout because yeah. they are meant to have no pressure. They're meant to be something that's just special for you and something exploratory. And what's really interesting about being an artist that also needs hobbies is sometimes people just look on from the outside and judge and say, well, you just do everything. Can you not figure out what you're doing? But the truth is some realm of that is usually our profession in the art. And another realm is us balancing and having play. And we mm -hmm. talked about that in episodes with the fiber artist and amazing puppet maker, Melissa Nasby, where she says she's a professional mess maker because that's how she fuels her creativity to develop. Like she makes huge life-size animals and fiber sculptures that just are, they're mind blowing. Some of them look really realistic. Mm -hmm. And then she has yeah. this whole other fantasy side where she creates little worlds and things that are made out of fibers and felting that it just blows your mind to see the, the like limitless imagination that she has. But she says the number one way she fuels that imagination is just making messes, play, play, play. Yeah. And it's been such a good thing for our audience to hear. And even for our students to hear and know that even though we drive home skills, like at bold school, we're all about growing your skills and becoming wholehearted, very skilled artists there's this element of play that we need in order to not burn out. Yeah. And that, and that whole area of giving ourselves permission to explore, which is what you've shown us an example of today. Your miniatures, you showing us your miniatures has been you showing us an example like, hey, here I am. I'm a professional artist. I run an online, founded an online, bold, uh, founded an online painting school <laughs> called Bold School. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get that out and here it is so serious and so meaningful and so impactful but you still need that element of just play and exploration to fuel mm -hmm. your creativity yeah it does it it fuels what I do during the day and it makes me want to get my day job done so I can go back to making miniatures <laughs> but it's also like I I hate using the word mental health because it's really important, but it's like everybody's talking about mental health. But I, when I was like close to burnout, I realized why was just because, well, there's a million different reasons why, but one of the biggest parts of burnout is not overworking. It's not like you're working 48 hours a day. It's, it doesn't, you don't even have to be working as much as normal. You could be procrastinating a lot, but it's, it's to do with overwhelm. And the reason you get overwhelmed is usually because you're not thinking straight and you've allowed all of this stuff to come into your life. So it can become a, a mental overwhelm. Yeah. It's a mental overwhelm. Not necessarily. A lot of people think burnout is, is a physical burnout, which it can be, or it's because you're working physically too much and you're not taking breaks, but it's actually affecting your brain and your mind. And that's why you, you burn out. Cause a lot of people can work pretty hard without burning out. Um, so anyways, part of that is, is kind of thinking, overthinking everything. So I would find that as I was getting closer to full out burnout, I was doing less 
And by doing less, I was overthinking everything and that was making everything more overwhelming. So what I find, and, and there's lots of outlets for this. I've heard the story now. I can understand the story. I've heard it in lots of different ways. But the hobby, I'll say hobbying, <laughs> <laughs> became a way for me to not overthink the overwhelm that I was feeling with everything in life at that mm -hmm. time. And then because I stopped overthinking at night when I wasn't working and I was tired and, and feeling guilty for not completing what I needed to get done and thinking about things I needed to do that were never going to get done. Instead of worrying about that so much, I distracted myself with something that I absolutely loved. And it was almost like it just automatically everything calmed down and I could all of a sudden the next day get up and be refreshed and probably be more productive. Yeah. And yeah, eventually that's my that's, guess. Yeah. That's how it went. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was a way to kind of get healthy again. And there's lots of ways to do that. Like it could be exercise. You start like playing a sport or you start traveling or just getting out and socializing more. Like there's lots of ways to distract yourself from your burnout. Mm -hmm. Burnout usually happens because you're stuck in a tunnel and you have this tunnel vision and you're completely overwhelmed by everything you have going on. And as soon as you distract yourself from it, you, you you break out of something you know it's just it's a part of dealing with burnout it's not the only way to deal with burnout but it's a part of it so it helped me to have hobbies and I feel like as long as I have something going on that I'm I'm loving I'll be able to get through whatever I need to get through in my daily business and I think no matter what your um, life is the daily grind of doing the same thing and the stresses that come with it it all comes on all of us at different levels mm -hmm. in different and ways. it's it's particularly hard for artists because we are such exploratory creative people yeah. that that daily grind can feel so restricting and yeah. we can like bore like border brink on burnout all the time and so yeah. it's if I can't, I, I just need to emphasize again how important that hobby, how important that exploration really the is outlet. to your mental health and well-being of being yeah. a wholehearted artist. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's all, that, that's really it. That's the yeah. summary of the whole thing. So the yeah. hobby. Yeah. So <laughs> what I, my takeaway from today's podcast is, is really even just observing how you've used hobby to re-energize and refuel your business as an artist and your profession as an artist and how you took something that was totally new and foreign to you like a medium that you've never even tried before how you stepped through a process of learning first following the rules second breaking out of the rules a little bit trying your own thing in customizing a little bit and then thirdly getting the right tools and completely well like several trial and errors later coming up with your very own design which is exactly what we want our students at bold school to be doing learning from us mm -hmm. but becoming their own artist yeah and I, and I think it's like I think a good lesson in there too is that it's okay even if you're a creative who likes to forge new ground like I don't like doing what other people are doing I always like to be always thinking I'm a step ahead or I'm trying something that's never been done before. I'm creating something. You're an innovator. New. You're an innovator. Yeah, I want to innovate. And so I stop myself from doing a lot of things because I don't know how to, like with oil painting, I have no clue how to innovate with oil painting because I get that on my brush. It doesn't do what I want to do. So I get frustrated. So it's okay. I had to give myself the permission that it's okay to buy this kit and put it together. 
and there's going to be a lot of people who will see that kit because they have and they have one on their desk and we all have the same kit we've all done it it's no big deal you buy the kit you can do it do exactly what i did it is hard but you can do it you know there's nothing innovative there's nothing really even creative in a new way but give yourself permission to do that and see where it goes and i had no intention of making a little art studio but it, it evolved into that but if i had started with making the art studio i probably would have been really frustrated because you, you probably would have given up because you wouldn't yeah. have learned the skills that you had by doing the kit and copying the patterns yeah, and I succeeded by copying the patterns and mm -hmm. it felt really exciting and I could see that I could do it myself. So yeah. give yourself permission to just have fun. Like if it feels yeah. like a craft, who cares? Like do a craft, make pom-poms. I don't know, like just give yourself permission to go and, and create things even if they've been made a million times before. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, thank you so much for showing us inside of your miniature world and your hobby, Charlotte. It has been inspirational, and I hope a lot of refueling and re-sparking for the artists that are watching and listening because we all need to keep our creative juices going. You know where to find us. Go to boldschool.com. Make sure you're on our newsletter list for all of the upcoming events in our classes and community that you don't want to miss out on. Find us on Instagram, Bold School Inc., and right here on the YouTube Bold School channel. We can't wait to see you here next week. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>